This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. Yes, wakey, wakey. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And it's a very happy new year to every single one of you. What better way to finish 2022 than having a lie-in and getting Marcus Rashford to beat Wolves 1-0. Those defenders needed to get up a little bit earlier, didn't they? Uh, Or something like that, anyway. And what better way to start the year... 2023, then getting the full podcast posse together for a new episode of Talk of the Devils. Everyone is here. We're going to look back on that late show from Rashford, discuss the drama. They didn't really become a drama in the end between him and Eric Ten Hag and also look ahead to Bournemouth and the usual weird and wonderful stuff that we always get through on the podcast anyway. Spoiler alert, Andy Mitten has had so far Billy Joel and the Spice Girls playing on in the background. So we'll find out a little bit more about that. So Andy, hello to you. You okay? Yeah, all good. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to you too. Carl, Happy New Year. You're giggling already? Happy New Year. How you doing, mate? Yes, I'm good, thank you. No no sort of soundtrack in the background at, at Carl's house. Uh, and Laurie, Happy New Year to you as well. I believe you've just about sobered up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Ish. We'll, we'll go with that, yeah. The hangover is real. I can see Carl squinting as well. We were both on the rum last night, which is... There's a coffee. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Carl's having a sip of his cappuccino or latte or espresso. All of them, all three. <laughs> in one. We signed off with a win, didn't we? Uh, there's lots to talk about as well. I'm just glad that Andy didn't actually give us any hint as to where he is. Uh, didn't allude to the fact that he had Spice Girls on in the background as a special request for me because he knows how much I like them. Yeah, so basically Carl and Laurie have only just crawled out of bed, but Andy is somewhere where you'd really only expect Andy Mitten to be, I guess, on New Year's Day. <laughs> He's got a sign behind him that looks quite old school. It says seats 33 to 45. I'm presuming he's in seat 33. It looks like you're in a press box, Andy. Where are you? I'm on Gander Green Lane, at the home of Sutton United, ahead of their 
game against Wimbledon. It will be the 91st of the 92 Football League grounds that I have been to and it's a big local derby, it's a sellout, everyone's been really friendly uh, so far. A couple of people actually asked about the podcast, one person even asked if I knew Laurie. I said unfortunately, yeah, they're doing it, do knowing. So it's miles out of central London and the ground is filling up nicely. Obviously people will know about Wimbledon's history but Sutton United are, are new to the Football League and that's why I'm here probably won't be coming back but I'm, I'm looking forward to the day and the game did your wife know about this trip <laughs> yeah she she found out yesterday I stayed at the house of the journalist Jim White and he said to his wife yeah I'm, I'm covering Tottenham Villa tomorrow are you at a game Andy and I just sort of went yeah and my wife looked at me I just tried to let it pass off that I was going to Tottenham with Jim White. I did definitely didn't say I was going to Sutton United. And uh, she said, "Are you writing?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm writing, and uh, I will write about it." So that is the truth of it. And I'm thankful that she doesn't listen to this podcast. Absolutely. So before we move on and talk about United, we do need to get sort of an answer to. Uh, between Christmas and New Year debacle of leaving your wife in the Cotswolds on a romantic trip to go to Forest Green Rovers. Did you make it? And how was it? And are you still married, I suppose? That's the other question. Yeah, of course. She absolutely buzzes off me. She wanted to go to the Cotswolds. I took her to the Cotswolds. Uh, I did go to Forest Green Rovers against Burton Albion, who had former Manchester United defender playing for them played under Louis van Gaal try and work that one out with a double barreled surname Cameron Borthwick Jackson well done uh, what I also did I, I, I snuck in and watched Bath City against Worthing as well the second half of it Right, this is a bit mad. I had to do a live interview for telly, so I left them to I'm go sorry, shopping this bit's in Bath. Mad. What about the rest of it? And then I said, <laughs> it's, it's, it's even more madder. So I just disappeared for a bit. I saw that Bath City were at home, went down there, signed pictures of Eric Cantona in the clubhouse. Yep. And uh, Bath's a great city, but the football ground's even better. So yeah, been a bit of a one for the anoraks. Yep, New Year, same old Andy Mitten. The, the thing is, Andy's holding back on the full picture of Forest Green Rovers and his trip to Somerset because I was at Molyneux yesterday, got in my seat, having a nice time, enjoying the atmosphere and then who comes and sits next to me but Mr Andy Mitten, it's like he's following me around, you know, I'm trying to get away from him, I see enough of him uh, and then he proceeds to tell me that not only has he been hanging out with the father of an international pop star in, in Harry Styles uh, but he's actually... You know, I don't know, is, that, is it a better celebrity that you've seen recently, Andy? First of all, Laurie's lying a bit because he was buzzing off seeing me, came up, gave me a big hug, <laughs> said, really missed not seeing you at Forest. Right, so this is the last story I'll tell on this podcast because there are four of us on this one. But as I was driving across the Cotswolds, I stopped at a farmhouse to have uh, lunch with my family. You leave the cars at the farmhouse entrance and get taken by like glamped up milk floats towards the farmhouse. So I'm with my wife and my two daughters. The guy driving the milk float stops and says, oh my God, that is one of my favorite artists. And I can see that this lad, maybe age 30, is overcome with sort of shock. And I'm thinking like an artist, you know, someone who paints or draws. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry about this. I just I just can't believe him. She's there. And I said, who? And he said, uh, Ariana Grande. 
and my two daughters just jumped up saw her I, I didn't recognize her at all she was with two of her friends and yeah it was Ariana Grande she got into a milk float behind us and my daughters are now completely overcome and starstruck our milk float pulls off Ariana Grande's one starts following us we do a right so does hers we get out of our milk float and suddenly we're holding up Ariana Grande's milk float my two daughters start waving to her and to be fair to her she stood up and started waving back like really enthusiastically and they started crying my kids started crying I mean I've introduced them to people like Brian McClare in the past and they didn't start crying you know proper Man United legends 400 plus appearances but Ariana Grande got to them I didn't speak to her didn't get a picture with you you're not allowed to take photos there but you know Laurie is a core customer of Ariana Grande so I'm, I'm allowed to call her me mate I'm just buzzing because she'll now be telling everybody about the time that she met world famous Andy Mitten in the Cotswolds as well so you're both happy did you ask her to go to Forest Green Andy? no I, I do realise the, the contrast in standing by myself on a terrace at, at Forest Green freezing <laughs> and then seeing Ariana Grande the following day but I, 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 I basically have a motto with life use every minute to live and life's rich tapestry is you know the, life is a great thing it's a beautiful thing and uh, that's why I'm sat here in Sutton and I just like meeting people from all different walks of life. I wouldn't say that I've actually met Ariana Grande, but you never know, she might put a post out on Instagram tomorrow saying she met a favourite <laughs> fanzine writer. She's been subscribing for United We Stand for since she was one. Who knows? An, an avid listener to Talk of the Devils, I'm sure, as well. I, I think I speak for all of us, Andy. Never change, mate. You do you, pal. Absolutely. Right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move it on then. Let's do what people expected us to do about 10 minutes ago. Let's talk about Manchester United's 1-0 victory over Wolves. And there's only one place to start, Laurie. It's one of my favourite things that happened in 2022. He saved it right till the end. But Marcus Rashford pressing the snooze button, missing a team meeting, being dropped from the team, coming on at half-time, scoring the winner, and then admitting afterwards exactly what happened. Brilliant. I just love the elite athletes such as him. Uh, had the same problems as mere mortals like us, hitting the snooze button. <laughs> Why was it invented? <laughs> it shouldn't be invented. Just wake up. <laughs> Why is it nine minutes as well? That, that That's always got to me. Yeah. Nine is, minutes is Ten double digits, snooze. it feels too much. It feels too indulgent. Nine's Surely like, five you know, you, would be enough, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, five would be fine. Who knows? But listen, it was a really interesting episode. I mean, I, I was at Molyneux and like listening to BT Sport on my phone because it was on the screens but quiet in the press room. And I was like, I, would, I, would, I was surprised that my, my, my whole focus had been on Martinez, who I thought was going to 
uh, start the game. But actually, I'd heard just before the team came out that you know Tenag wanted him to get more sessions. So okay, fine, interesting. Luke Shaw at centre back again. That's an interesting uh, selection. And then uh, sneakily, Rashford's on the bench and Garnacho's in. You're sort of thinking, oh, that's a surprise. I didn't, didn't think he had any injury or anything like that. So you're listening to Eric Ten Hag, and the question is, you know, why is he out? And he says uh, internal disciplinary. And the guys in the studio are like, so I say again? And like, okay, maybe it was a bad line, but I think it was more like, are you, what? <laughs> uh, and he says it again, just like, you know, deadpan. And so you're all thinking, okay, what was it? And we know from pre-season tour, uh, you know, myself and Andy wrote that piece where Ten Hag dropped a player for being late for team meetings over in uh, Bangkok in Australia. So it's not, you're sort of thinking, is that what, what's gone on here? And then the fact that he, you know, I think the match panning out the way it did. I mean, Garnacho did did okay, really, but he missed his big chance, didn't he? Uh, and then at halftime, Tenag said afterwards he didn't feel like the players had been on the front foot enough, so he makes the change. Rashford. It didn't seem like it was a pre-planned thing that he was only going to, you know, drop him for a half. It was how he, you know, that that was the that was the punishment not being in the starting lineup. And then from that point, it was you know fair game. And Rashford comes on and performs brilliantly. I mean, he 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 has been. This this is a continuation of his form already, right? So it's not like he was pr- playing with a point to prove, especially. But you sort of looked at this guy and, th- and thought, okay, he's a serious footballer right now. This is somebody who is going to seize games and, and and try and win them by himself if he can. Um, and then the goal he scored was brilliant, wasn't it? Bullied Johnny Otto out of the way. Three different Wolves players. He could have scored a second. It's mad that he's had two goals ruled out. Uh, by VAR for handball, it, it, both instances kind of you know unlucky really that haven't actually materially affected the goal, um, and I just I thought it was a great display, and then for him to come out afterwards and explain it, I thought was great because it just instantly, as he said, drew a line under it. I think everyone can understand where he's coming from. It's you know it's not acceptable. You you don't want to be keeping your teammates waiting for a meeting, uh, and Tenag's taking the punishment, um, but the fact people can understand that it's a human thing. So as long as that is the final you know, example of it, then everyone can move on. And I think Ten Hag was really yeah, great. Yeah, that's the positive, isn't it? Yeah. And I think Ten Hag was great at explaining how that was relevant to performances on the pitch because people might think, well, it's only a small thing being late for a meeting. But actually, if he's allowing that kind of stuff to slide, then the instructions that he's giving on the pitch for pressing or for backing up your teammate, um, then that might also get loose as well. So, And he said that was very much a part of why they've had a good defensive record, certainly since the Man City game. I think five clean sheets and... Uh, you know, and a, obviously a good winning sequence. So um, I can see how the two linked. And, and overall, it reinforced Ten Hag's authority. Rashford was shown as somebody that, OK, has made a mistake, but he's responded really well and he's owned up to it afterwards. And United win again. So it was, it was weirdly, from what looked like it could have been a kind of unsettling situation, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was the last player that Ten Hag dropped for team discipline issues. And look how that went. It actually turned out to be quite a positive story, all told. Yeah, it certainly did. You, you sort of mentioned everything in that answer, to be fair. But just to go back in on the point about <laughs> Ten Hag discipline, Carl, it did underline the idea that every single aspect of United is being looked at by this manager. And it's not just the fact that when he first came in, he looked at all these different aspects from things like as small as what side of the press conference room he sat on, uh, some of the rules around the training ground about you know turning up on time for meetings and stuff like that, whatever it is. But they're being reinforced as well and reinforced to the point that he was quite willing to leave his most informed player on the bench to ensure that no one else is late again. Yeah, yeah. I'd say at halftime, Manchester United, that, I mean, that was quite a poor first half, all told. And on BT Sport, 
Paul Scholes was talking at length about the decision to drop Marcus might curb his momentum and might damage his form for the rest of the season, which was a little bit odd. But this is what Ten Hag is. This is what Ten Hag does. If you listen to more than one of his press conferences, he's always talking about demand. He's always using this word standard. He's always saying, you know, even after victory, it's not good enough. Uh, and he's constantly pushing for that extra one or two percent to, to everyone can go at their maximum. And lo, lo and behold, he did drop someone to, to because they didn't hit the standards and they came back in the right response. This has been a good 2022 for Ten Hag. I think he's got proper buy-in from all the players involved. And as you know, it's January 1st, the transfer window's open. I think quite a few Manchester United fans are saying just give him whatever he wants so he can go build everything else, which is interesting, you know. No one... I can't really see any Man United fans go, oh, yeah, I wish kind of we had Poch instead or I wish we had got Conte instead. Everyone's now going, I'm really glad we got Ten Hag and I'm really glad whatever he's doing, I trust it. Yeah, things like this underline that as well, don't they? They underline the feeling that the club seems at the moment to have picked the right man to change things, to move the club forward as well. That can change, of course. Results will always dictate it. But even when there's an issue like this, Andy, which could have been a much bigger issue, I think it could have... If United had lost the game, it could have been viewed a totally different way. Marcus Rashford's not stood in a tunnel afterwards saying that he overslept. It sort of takes on a whole different complexion, but sometimes these things just work out well, don't they? And and it feels like it just worked out well for Rashford and Ten Hag yesterday. Laurie's written a piece that's on The Athletic about the whole thing sort of underlining Ten Hag's authority at Old Trafford. I, I just think that... The discipline point is really important. Some of the other players were talking about it after the game as well. Luke Shaw saying maybe that was something that was missing in the past. It's amazing what structure can do, actually, isn't it? Eric Tenag is the best thing about Manchester United at the moment, and he's got serious competition. Casemiro, Rafael Varane, the form of Marcus Rashford, more power to the manager's elbow. He's made all the correct calls, big calls with big names. Cristiano Ronaldo with Marcus Rashford. I didn't speak to one United fan yesterday who disagreed with that decision. Now, we might have viewed that with the benefit of hindsight had United not won the game, but at no point did I feel uneasy about him making the correct call. And I don't actually think Marcus Rashford came out of it badly in the end, as well as getting the winner. He apologised and it was nipped in the bud. And you sense that Carl used the term there, buy-in. It's totally right. The players are having the manager. Results set the mood for absolutely everything. Eight wins out of nine for Manchester United. We're into the top four. But the good feeling isn't just because of yesterday. This has been building for a few months now, since that really bad start to the season. The team's defence is looking fantastic with Rafael Varane. Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw was fantastic again yesterday. David De Gea had a good game. There's always areas of improvement. I was disappointed with Anthony in the first half yesterday. Uh, as Laurie said, Garnacho should have taken that chance. Laurie predicted the correct score, by the way. Uh, seriously, I know we have a bit of fun here, but I said to him before kickoff, uh, who's gonna, what's the score going to be? And he just said 1-0 to Manchester United. <laughs> so more power to his elbow there. Now, I'm feeling good about Manchester United. The, the fixture list is unrelenting. Uh, there's so many games now. Most of them are at Old Trafford, but... Imagine if Garnacho does start taking his chances, or if Anthony does come good. You know, there's so many pluses about the, the team at the moment that I think the team deserve be, to be in the top four. And then after the game yesterday, I was driving south, and I asked my daughter to get the football results, and she's reading them out to me, and I said, just, just say that again. Did Manchester City not win? She said, yeah, it's true. 
and Newcastle didn't win either and I find myself watching Newcastle United's results and I'm thinking I'm really enjoying this I'm really enjoying watching Manchester United at the moment and everything around it and believe me towards the end of last season I was not enjoying it No I don't think any of us were to be fair um, let's talk about someone else Harry Maguire Laurie um, we've talked about Luke Shaw being the choice at centre back obviously it happened in the Forest game because needs must uh, Maguire on that day only fit enough for a place on the bench Lindelof not in the squad Martinez not in the squad like you said before Martinez wasn't back for this game but Lindelof was Maguire obviously would have been a bit better as well it having been a few days on but Luke Shaw kept his place Rio Ferdinand's comments on BT stuck out to me he said if I was Harry Maguire I'd be looking for a new club what do you think? Yeah quite stark um, I mean Rio Ferdinand knows way more than me about the nuances of being a defender at the highest level and, and when you should make that move, you know, if, if you feel like you're not being played. I mean, I, I, the, certainly he's had this illness and, and so has Victor Lindelof. And I think that was a part of the reason why, certainly part of the reason why Maguire didn't start against Forest. I think he'd only uh, had one training session before that point. Um, but then this one feels a bit different. I think this one was uh, Eric Ten Hag like what Luke Shaw did against Nottingham Forest. The fact that he's a left footer as well, it's a really big thing. I mean, he mentioned it in the post-match press conference um, and, and other people say the same thing. And Luke Shaw had a really good game. He, he was like the, the base of, of United's formation when they were attacking and, and he was the kind of pivot for then shifting formation left and right. There was that great pass out to Anthony, wasn't there, for the uh, cross that Bruno then put into Anthony Marshall and he should have taken that with his right, shouldn't he? And, and not allowed Collins to get a, a block in. Um, but yeah, as far as Maguire's concerned, he, he won't be happy, will he, being on the bench and kind of being uh, sort of on the periphery of things. Um, will he push for a move? I don't know. I feel like he would back himself to try and get back into this team. You know, he's, he's been playing for England at a World Cup in a back four pretty well. You know, he had a good tournament. Um, so, but then again, Lisandro Martinez will come back in, you'd expect, straight away. Um, I do think Luke Shaw's best position is still that full-back role because he can, particularly with Marcus Rashford, if, they, if those two can link up, I think it's a really dangerous uh, duo. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he actually, when he came on Maguire, it was quite a, an interesting moment where Bruno Fernandes was taking ages to come off and he was taking the captain's armband off to give to Maguire and he was kind of wasting time and Maguire was like telling him to hurry up uh, because he needed to get on because it was a corner for uh, for Wolves and he needed to get on and organise the defence and they also had Anthony coming off so he could like waste the time because uh, Bruno I think thought you know I need to waste time and Maguire was like no bloody. so it was like <laughs> these two kind of captains almost rowing about like you know what the right mode how to waste how, time how to waste time to or, or sort of, yeah <laughs> so it was quite funny but that was obviously him in my mind Maguire is still making his point that he is a man of status in this Manchester United squad and you know he has authority um, to, to a degree but I accept that if he if he's now is not going to start games for Manchester United from now until the end of the season he, he'll have to look at his situation won't he because he, he needs to be starting football matches there's no question about that Carl, how do you think this plays out? Because I think that it was seen as an opportunity for Maguire post-World Cup with Varane and Martinez both getting to the final for him really to get his place back. And it's really not worked out for him, has it? And it didn't work out for him before the World Cup when Rafael Varane got injured either. You wonder how many, I don't know, not how many chances he needs, but you wonder how the scenario is going to be for him to get his opportunity when it seems like there's been two ideal chances and they've just not worked out how we expected maybe yeah yeah I totally agree I think it, it's a case of really rotten luck with the illness I meaning you couldn't make the long forest game uh, and as Laurie said being left-footed is really really important to Eric Ten Hag you remember during the preseason tour he was playing Alex Talese as a centre-back for certain games 
Um, and I asked him right at the start of the season, why is this so important? And he said, it's all about your orientation, not just when you're defending, but also the passing lanes you can open up. Uh, and as we've seen this season, when, when Maguire has started, he started at right centre-back and he doesn't look totally comfortable there. He's often trying to dribble and carry the ball out with the outside of his right boot, which when you do it on the left, you can put your shoulder in the way and do that sort of weird crab walk that Maguire does. But when you do it on the right-hand side, the ball's just in front of him and an opposition player can quite easily dispossess him. So I think the big question is Maguire needs to find a runner maybe two or three games where he will play probably at right centre-back and look better than competent, not get a yellow card booking from a cynical tackle, look like he he's enjoying right centre-back. I can't see that run of three games in the calendar. You know, Maybe if Ten Hag fancies rotating in the FA Cup, that might work. But then immediately afterwards, you've got Arsenal and Man City. So I, I think he's been done by, by a bit of illness and also by an unfo- well, a difficult fixture list as well. I think the bottom line is if he's not playing football every week, he will look to move and leave Manchester United. Uh, he's clearly a, a player who can play for a, a big Premier League club. So... He would have a value attached to that. I don't think that would be close to what Manchester United paid for him. At this moment, I think he'll be determined to win his place back in the Manchester United side. I think that United fans probably wouldn't have him in their idealised perfect 11, and that shows how well Lissandro Martinez has done, and Rafael Varane is showing why he's one of the best defenders in the world uh, week after week. So it's not a great moment for Harry Maguire, but look at the number of games coming. Look at the fact that Luke Shaw is playing where he is. We couldn't have foreseen that two weeks ago. Things can change very quickly. All it would take is for Harry Maguire to have a really good game against someone like Manchester City and the narrative around him completely changes. It happens so often in football. So I wouldn't be writing him off just yet. He's got a long contract. He likes living in Manchester. He didn't have a good season last year. He wasn't the only one. But he had a really good World Cup and best case scenario is that he starts playing a lot more matches for him. Laurie, final word on Maguire? Just going to add in what Andy touched on there, really, in that Rafa Varane is the, is the one that's keeping him out of the team really now. And he's, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? I mean, uh, I saw a stat. I need to go and check this. But I'm going to repeat anyway uh, on Twitter where, uh, basically, when Casemiro and Rafa Varane have been on the pitch at the same time, United haven't conceded a goal. And it's like 10 hours of football. Um, which is kind of a remarkable thing, you know. These two kind of sort of suggests, well, yeah, Real Madrid were pretty good at football and they won lots of Champions League. So it, it's maybe not the most surprising thing that these two guys, you know, know how to keep the ball out of the net. But I think he's been a real. I mean, he was brilliant at Wolves. I, I felt, and, and the fact that he played in a World Cup final, came back and was able to put in two really good performances like he has done. Um, And actually, I think that was also part of the reason why Martinez wasn't selected against Wolves because you have Varane that's still kind of easing his way back from that World Cup period. And he didn't, I think Tenag didn't want two players that had kind of, were having to kind of play catch up a little bit. So yeah, but we'll, we'll see how that shakes up going forward. I've just checked the start. They've started five Premier League matches together. This is not including anyone coming on or anything, so I don't know if that if that ruins it. But they've started five matches together, and United have only conceded once, which was a Jorginho penalty uh, in the 87th minute at Stamford Bridge, and Rafael Varane was already off the pitch injured at that point. So the stat is correct. <laughs> well done, Laurie. You didn't well, need to check it. I should, I should really <laughs> give a hat tip to the guy that actually tweeted this, shouldn't I? Uh, Daniel Castle. Daniel Castle. Fair play to Daniel Castle. 
Nice one, Daniel Castle. You've illuminated our podcast with that stat today, so thank you very much. Remember, if you want to have a look at the reaction to Wolves on The Athletic and you're not a subscriber, you can do so now. There's a Boxing Day offer, which is just £1 a month for the first 12 months when you sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Sign up now. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Okay, it's the 1st of January, which means that Manchester United take on Bournemouth very soon. But it also means, of course, it's the January transfer window. And we've got 30 days, 31 days, whatever it ends up being, or what's left, of fun, frivolity, rumour, claim, counterclaim. It'll all be covered on The Athletic, of course, but we already have our first piece of confirmed news, Laurie, don't we? Which is Martin Dubravka going back to Newcastle. That's that's the one we all wanted, right? <laughs> and we were all expecting that, weren't we? Eagerly <laughs> anticipating that news. Uh, what's happened here, then? Well, I t- I, the one thing, I think I wrote this in the uh, the transfer piece that I did was it last week. <laughs> I get confused with the days. Uh, <laughs> that Tom Heaton might be an exit because he wants game time. So maybe this is the resolution that's been agreed upon although it is Newcastle's decision to recall him it's, it's not I, don't, I think United you know obviously fine about it but Newcastle are probably looking at that situation thinking well we, we can have him back maybe as competition for Nick Pope I don't know if, if there's an issue there but he's only played twice Dubravka it's been a kind of weird loan that one I mean it was originally £2 million loan fee with an extra £4 million obligation to buy if he played a certain amount of games in the league, uh, which was never going to happen. <laughs> he would have had to basically be the number one for that to be triggered. But we are asking the question about whether the, the loan fee will be paid in full or whether it's half because he you know, was recalled midway through the season. I suppose that's a, a kind of trivial point ultimately. But yeah, uh, an outgoing for Manchester United. And they haven't made any decision yet on whether to bring in a replacement, but Tom Heaton's there and he's definitely a big character around the place who will want to you know, play where he can. So maybe that's the, the, the solution for everybody. OK, of course, keep your eyes peeled to The Athletic for the very latest on all things Manchester United transfers. Quite quiet at the moment, to be fair, but I'm sure things will hot up as January passes. Carl, let's talk about Manchester United against Bournemouth then. It's just going to be another win, isn't it? The way this team's playing um, at the moment, what do you reckon? It should be comfortable, Without being complacent, I, I am really getting impressed by how Manchester United don't panic in possession. I think it was quite... I was heartened by the performances of Terrell Malassia and Wan-Bissaka against Wolves. Wan-Bissaka, you know, he, he played like Wan-Bissaka. He made a lot of crunching slide tackles. He underlapped a lot. There were some times it was in the final third and you're asking him to put in the cross and he hit the ball too hard and it didn't go to the back post. But hey, it's good he's playing football and it's good he's feeling vaguely confident. And I felt the same way about Donny van der Beek. Uh, I tweeted that he had some nice touches. It wasn't spectacular, but decent. Uh, and I had quite a few Man United fans yell at me because they said he was awful. I went, well, you know, he, he's running forward and passing the ball forward instead of passing it sideways. Uh, and that's an improvement for Donny van der Beek now. He actually put himself Baby about... steps, Carl. Yeah, he put in some <laughs> tackles. Uh, and I'll, I'll take that for now. 
Um, so I've, I've used this sort of Christmas to New Year period for Manchester United to, to have a look at these squad players and they're looking decent. And I think, yeah, United are playing decent football. The next big sort of frustration is, can you start scoring more goals? Can you make this pressure and possession count and, and get the second and the third instead of having these nervy sort of 15 minutes towards the end of the games where you're hoping David Ayer can pull off another acrobatic save? Yeah, and that's something Ten Hag sort of picked up on as well. I think another factor that we need to give Ten Hag credit for, Andy, is the fact that when there has been changes to the, to the side sort of post-World Cup, especially in defence, you've not really noticed much difference. And someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's barely played uh, this season, or not even played at all, I don't think, has sort of slotted in and it's not really been an issue. In fact, he's been a feature of United's play. Again, that's... That's credit to Ten Hag, isn't it? Yeah, because he was he was nowhere two months ago. He's had a few decent games, Tyrone Malassia and Carl's right to pick them both out. And you would hope for more of the same against Bournemouth. Bournemouth have lost all of their games since the end of the World Cup. They lost the last two 2-0. Uh, I know they've played Newcastle, I know they've played Chelsea, so they've had difficult opponents. But they've got the worst defence in the league. And Manchester United really should be taking advantage of that, given the form of United, given the fact the games at Old Trafford, United are, are winning, I would ex- accept any win for Manchester United, but it strikes me as a real opportunity to be scoring 2-3-4, but even as you say that, you've seen some pretty strange results because of the build-up and the intensity of the Christmas matches, so it's by no means a given, but Bournemouth for 15th, uh, they could very quickly go into re- the relegation area and I think it's a big one for, for Manchester United and whatever Ten Hag does because he's made most of the calls correctly I think the fans will, will will buy into him you know if he started Donny van der Beek and I don't expect him to you wouldn't be hearing resounding boos because there were some baby steps we saw that Laurie and I commented on that uh, at Molyneux yesterday and it'd be great if he could just score a goal lift his confidence because he doesn't seem to have had much luck or at all I was going to say opportunities but he's had plenty of opportunities so beat Bournemouth then turn to the, the, the FA Cup and hope that other teams drop points and suddenly I'm not going to say title race because I don't expect Manchester United to win the title this year but once again I'm enjoying it yeah I um, I, I, I did see what Carl's saying about Donny van der Beek in it looked more purposeful. It was just those two frustrating moments where it was a three on two, and then like a, another, he passed it through the middle, and it was like neither to Anthony or to Rashford. And you're thinking, composure in those moments would have allowed United to win two nil, maybe. And then it's as you say, no, no need for kind of nervy David de Gea saves at the end. Um, and also, to be fair though, Anthony and Anthony Marshall uh, in the first half didn't make the most of opportunities. I thought Anthony's touch was really sharp. Actually, he, he was by the the byline there where the press box is, so you could kind of get a real um, close-up appreciation of it. But they, 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 didn't, they didn't take the most of the opportunities, and, and that's something that, OK, Bournemouth, I think, are you know beatable for sure, you know, um, but I, I, I would be a little bit cautious about getting too excited when it is, it, a lot of it is coming down to Marcus Rashford. So, um, so yeah, but, I mean, we're seeing, you know, Ten Hag taking control of the team. He's making decisions, as Andy's saying. I think people are buying into it. He's, he's taking charge of the under-23s now, we're seeing, which is kind of a, took me aback. Uh, but we, we were having some quotes from him talking about why he's addressed that like he had at Ajax and he wanted um, his input on 
players getting minutes, not necessarily the actual selections and the lineups and the substitutions of games. He's not going to be there at Lee Sports Village on the touchline, um, you know, uh, on a Friday night. But um, he wants to be able to have some input into you know certain players getting minutes. You know, so I don't know if there's going to be more rotation between the the twenty threes, twenty ones as they are now actually, uh, and the eighteens, nineteens. I was at the PSV game. Uh, under 19s uh, in the the new competition they've got I, I forget what it's called I have to confess um, and they they weren't great it was a, it was a pretty kind of poor performance but we saw uh, Kobe Mino uh, on the bench at, at Wolves um, and he was playing against um, PSV and he he was the best player for sure and I, I I don't know I know Andy's written about him I've got real high hopes for him um, he, he looks a really smart intelligent footballer from Stockport as well and we, and we know that you know the best people come from Stockport so I presume that's the kind of uh. thought process that <laughs> Ten Hag's got when he's having a look at the youth players as well as, as bringing them into the first team because he, he'll need the squad isn't isn't deep is it really I mean I know maybe there's some injuries injured players that are going to come back but you look at that bench and you know he's having to put on you know Langer as, as, as a substitute and, and, and uh, Kobe Minor I mean Reese Bennett was on the bench the other day uh, the FA Youth Cup winning captain from last season so it's, it's it gets to a young uh, bench quite quickly so I guess that's why he's wanting a bit more control of the 23s as well. Yeah, if you want to know more about Eric Ten Hag taking control of the reserves, there's an article up on The Athletic at the moment. Remember, there's that offer as well. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now for just £1 a month for the first 12 months when you go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But that's it for now. We're going to be back after the Bournemouth game to react to Manchester United getting another comfortable home win, I'm sure. I feel confident heading into 2023. Uh, but Carl, thank you very much for being with us. Laurie, thank you as well. And Andy... Coming to us from Sutton United, of course, what better way to start the new year than something random from Mr Mitten. Hope you enjoyed that. Happy New Year again, and we'll speak to you after Bournemouth. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.